This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bree, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like street track tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And <laughs> active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Hey, it's Joanne and Brie, and we are rerunning this episode on the four homework personalities. You know, Brie, I get questions all the time about what do I do if my kid throws tantrums during homework? What do I do if my kid refuses to do homework? And this episode gives you steps that you can take to solve those problems. Yes. We hear all the time how much people love this episode because it really helped them identify what their kids' struggles are with homework. And while we're doing this over what's probably a winter break for you with your kiddos, it definitely preps you for getting ready for that second semester when school comes back into session. Yep. So we hope you enjoy. Welcome to episode three of the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Brie Tucker. Hello. Hello, everybody. How are you? <laughs> we are, we're, we're hanging in there this morning. Um, I'm just, I'm a little under the weather, honestly. But it's tough. It's, it's tough. It's rough when, when that's the case, for sure. So, And for once, I'm actually not dealing with any headaches or anything for once. So yeah, it's crazy. I'm normally the one who's like, yeah, I feel so great. Well, we woke up all good this morning, and then my son had kind of a homework meltdown this, like, right at the beginning of school, which was kind of... It was, uh, it was very characteristic of him at the beginning of this online schooling, but since it began, he's been handling it better. Yeah. And then this morning, it was, uh, Mom, I can't focus. Mom, like this doesn't make sense to me. And just breaking down crying. And I realized that something must have been off. Because you were like, that's not his normal. That's not his normal. Yeah, he can have, yeah, he can get, have the meltdowns. Yes. But not to this extent. That's not his normal. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I let him rest. And then after a little bit of resting, he's like, I have a stomach ache. And then it's, I have a headache. And then me and all of my like craziness, I'm like, am I getting sick too? Is it COVID? Well, I was going to say in this day and age, like right now, any ailment makes you not like makes you, I started to say nauseous, makes you anxious. Yeah. It makes you anxious. Because the list of symptoms are insane. And then there's the other factor too of that. It's a lot 
it's it's a little bit more difficult yeah. to get the care that you need now because well if you have like three or four symptoms everybody's like nope not gonna see you exactly exactly so we're just gonna keep a watch on it i don't think it's covid i think it's just my uh my my craziness talking well we did have some this is monsoon season out yes. here too so mm-hmm. we had a lovely a, a storm that came through late last night so mm-hmm. threw some stuff up in the air it's been a lot of wind lately which uh, never does well for those of us with allergies It gets a little icky, but today we are going to be talking about that resistance to homework. In fact, we're going to dial it down to four homework personalities that you can kind of look for in your own kids, and we're going to give you specific strategies on how to deal with each one. That is great. I know that I have a couple of these at home, so that's the other thing too. Like You're going to hear this, and I think you're going to have some definite key personalities, right? Yes, definite key personalities, but it is going to be a good one. So let's go. You want mom life to be easier. That is our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our own lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. So let's talk about these four homework personalities and how parents can use them to deal with resistance to work. Now, these homework personalities, they come from the research that I did from my book last year called Drama-Free Homework, and it was after interviews with many parents and my experience as an elementary school teacher that I found that there were like four ways that kids were usually responding when it came to homework. And so I grouped them into these four personalities so that you could easily find them in your kids. And we also, we also have a quiz for you to take on them. Because who doesn't love a quiz? Who doesn't love a fun quiz? We love quizzes. And you can find that quiz at noguiltmom.com backslash episode 003. But you may just be able to identify your kid's homework personality by hearing us talk about it right now. Right. I I can guarantee you're going to hear a few of these things and you're going to go, oh, yeah, totally my kid. Totally. Totally. And these personalities, like your kid might have a lot of them. In fact, different days, your kids might have a different personality. I mean, who has dealt with that before? Or even different personalities with different subjects. Like my, my, yeah, my daughter will be one way with English lit, but then a completely different way when she's dealing with math and science. Yeah. So definitely like their frustration and their tolerance level in regards to different subjects can have an impact on their personalities. So with that, let's let's just get into it. We have number one is the quick quitter. Gotta yes. love the alliteration. Oh, yes. Yes. And we all know this one. We, we, we have this kid. Every single one of us has had this kid at some point in time. Yes. You the, know. the kid who just gives up as soon as they are encountered by any type of struggle. Can't do it. Drops the pencil and was like, done. Done. Or Finish it. Nope. Can't do it. I've seen kids throw pencils across the room. I've seen kids just like shut down completely. This is typically when my daughter just uh, will just throw things down and just say, I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. I don't know it. 
Oh, yeah. This is uh, my son has these tendencies. And my daughter actually had these tendencies when she was a kindergartner. But then it moved through. It she, moved through. She, she moved on. She's able to handle it a little bit better and notice this in, within herself so she can kind of self-correct a little bit. That's really amazing. I, I think that that's a really helpful tool to have to be able to be that self-aware. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But I mean, quick quitter. If you are starting online schooling with your child and let's say this is the first day uh, of your online schooling and your child just melts down, like gets mad at all the links they have to find for all their classes and just throws themselves on the floor or in the case of our house, it was stomping to their room and slamming the door shut. Yeah. That can definitely happen in the beginning. Doesn't necessarily, though, mean that this is what you're dealing with all the time. No, it doesn't mean it's what you're dealing with all the time. But the quick quitter, it's really that belief that they don't have what it takes to get the job done. And I think a lot of times when you're dealing with this, you also then kind of become the parent that wants to come to the rescue and help fix things, right? Yes. We might answer the questions. We might be like, oh, just hear it. Or we sit down and we're attempting to help. But we find ourselves actually doing the problem for them. Yeah, it's when the cheerleader comes out. Like, I have to fight this within myself, too, because my son will want to quit. And your first instinct as a parent is to be like, no, you can do this. Look, let's do this one right here. What's the next one? And they're here going, no, I can't do it. And the next thing you know, you look down the paper and you've done three questions for them. Yes. (laughs) It becomes your homework instead of the kid's homework. Uh, So, all right. So... What can we do about this quick quitter? What are are the things that we can do to work on it? So what these quick quitters need to believe is that, that they have the capability to do the work. They need to believe that they can solve it for themselves. And many times it is a question of just mindset. It's that difference between the growth mindset and the fixed mindset, which uh, if you're not familiar with it, there's a great book by Dr. Carol Dweck uh, called Mindset. And Basically, she breaks it down into people have either one mindset or the other. The fixed mindset says that you're as smart as you're ever going to be, and no amount of work will make you smarter. I mean, I had that. Boo. Boo. I had that mindset growing up, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Every time, like, I saw someone better than me, like, I shouldn't say it that way, but every time I saw someone uh, have an easier time achieving something than me, I would take it as I'm not good enough. Why should I even try? That kind of thing. So I really know what this fixed mindset person is going through. That's a rough one. Well, I I don't know. I always had that whole, I can't do it. Okay, I'm going to work really hard and I will figure it out. And it, that's done me well in a lot of areas. Not all, but there are a lot of things I could pick up that I was just awful at in the beginning, but you're you're a very growth mindset personality. You I have don't that. know where I even necessarily. My parents, I guess, are growth mindset. I don't know. I never really like thought about that as a child, but yeah, it just it was always a matter of like, just keep working at it and you'll get it. And it's like, okay, then I guess I'll just keep working at it. That's awesome because I can tell you though, the fixed mindset. Just because you're born a fixed mindset, or doesn't mean you can't change doesn't it. Doesn't mean you can't change right? it because I am very growth mindset now. Um, it's not my first go to though. Mm-hmm. but it's one of those things that I can realize that I'm thinking in a fixed mindset sort of way and I can correct it. 
Hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Okay, so that's that's hilarious you're saying that because I'm just going to give everybody a little a little insight here. So this is, you know, podcast number three. Yeah. It's been a little bit of a rough start trying to get these mics working and get Audio is hard, guys. Audio is hard. Yes, it's very hard. And yet you have yet to stop. Like every time there is a problem, you're like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to figure it out. And you're just over here plugging away, reading different like links, different articles, and figuring out how to fix it. And then sure enough, like within the same day, you've got the problem fixed. But I, I did not start like I didn't, I was not that way as a child. So I'm just saying, seeing that now though, yes. you have definitely embraced that growth mindset and I see it in you on a regular basis. And it's only because I was made aware of what the growth mindset is and the fixed mindset is. I was told that, hey, this thought that you have that you can't accomplish anything, it's complete like BS. It's not. It's crap. It is. It's crap. Because... <laughs> All you need to do is just keep working on it. And the only way you're going to fail is if you give up. But if you don't give up, you never fail. See, there you go. So So that's what the quick quitter needs. The quick quitter needs to know that there are these two mindsets, the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. That is one big thing that you can help your child with. The other big things are if they are trying to quit on a question, instead of kind of leading them along and telling them answers, you can point to information that'll help them solve it, such as math problems. It's Mm -hmm. usually math problems. It's like, okay, well, what do you need to solve this problem? Ask them that question. 
And they might be, oh, like this number here, this number there. That's like ideal world they might be. Right. Most of the time it's like, I don't know. Once you can get them calm, that I do love math because I will say this. When you're dealing with math homework, the, the beautiful thing about math is that there's always an example page where they work through it step by step somewhere in the book. Mm -hmm. So depending upon what math program they're using, sometimes it's real easy to find what page to flip back to. Sometimes it's a little harder. Um, but you can flip back to the page and be like, okay, this problem, and and that's what I am. I always look for a similar solution to something. Yeah. So which problem looks like the problem I'm dealing with? Okay, let's go through that one together, step by step, and then we'll just flip back and forth. So like, we'll, I, I, I'll do that when I was helping my, my son or my daughter with their stuff. We would go back and go, okay, read this part of the question. All right, this looks like that part. All right, so what do you think we do now? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, um, I would hear... <laughs> I don't, I don't know. And I would just go, okay. And then they would notice they weren't getting anywhere with me. And they'd be like, maybe this. And I'm like, okay, let's try it. Let's try it. Let's just see. Let's try it. But that brings up a great point because if they are constantly pushing back and resisting, I'm giving you permission right now, mamas. Just skip the problem. (laughs) Skip the problem. And sometimes the scariest thing for kids, at least my kids, when they're pushing back against my help, I'm like, okay, well, let's just circle this. And um, we can just tell your teacher that you weren't, you were too frustrated during homework and you didn't get it done. And sometimes that's enough to be like, no, their eyes get huge. And they're like, what? Yeah, it is not your responsibility, parents, to do the homework. And if the kids don't want to do the homework teachers will get them in class being a former teacher right I had my ways and and I'm gonna just go out here on a limb and say uh maybe your kid isn't the first kid that's ever had that frustration Mm -hmm. and the teacher might know that the teacher knows yeah so then with us I know as parents sometimes we feel like it's a bad reflection upon us right I know oh my gosh how could I let that happen the teacher's gonna think I'm a slacker and the truth is The teachers expect it. Right. They totally expect it. And if, you know what, and if they're a newer teacher and they don't respect it, they just don't know what parenting is yet. (laughs) Because we've all been there. We were all the best parents in the world before we had kids. Yes. We had so much parenting advice to give before we had kids. I know, right? (laughs) We were like, I'm going to get this down. Perfect. So those are three things you can do if you have a quick quitter. You can uh, help them find the facts. You can just leave the room and refuse to engage. Teach them about the growth mindset. Oh, I'm going to have four things in here. I lied. Yeah. And you could just have them skip the problem. Yeah. And, and the whole mindset thing, though, let's just be honest, that works with every single one of these. Guys. It works with every single so, one of them. It's a big, it's a big mm-hmm. game changer. This brings us to number two. The Dun- other Dun- homework Dun- personality is the perfectionist. Ah, the perfectionist. I believe I have one of those. Do you believe you have one? I have one of those too. Our daughters who are friends are both perfectionists. Yes, very much so. Yes. They're, and I mean, I know where, I know where my daughter gets it from. She gets it from me. I don't think my daughter gets, I don't think I'm a perfectionist. I mean, I can be very particular about some stuff, but I I don't, I don't think I'm much, I fall under another category on this, but uh, yeah, my daughter that always like, she's not first or second. She feels like she's lost. Really? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to be perfect at everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have a little note here that just cracks me up. Perfectionists view mistakes as the They devil. are the devil. They have to have everything correct, else right. it's no good. Yeah. It's just, it, those are the, like, and I do see that all the time. Like, even, let's just say, like, an art assignment. Races it, scrubs it, like, the trash can is full. And I'm like, oh, I see we had art homework tonight. Hmm. How are we doing? I'm like, it doesn't have to be perfect. But 
It's a tough one. It doesn't have to be perfect. And perfectionists have a really hard time taking feedback too, which is makes them even harder to help. I mean, I could tell you, like, <laughs> perfectionism ran so strong with me that I never put myself in situations where I might fail. And because I didn't do that, like, this was, like, college, high school, early 20s, but I, uh, I worked in the entertainment industry. I worked at a talent agency as an assistant. But before I got put on a desk, um, you, they had this position called floater. And you worked in the mailroom full time unless one of the assistants was absent for the day. And then they put you on a desk for the day. And so you had to take all of these agents calls and like route them. And sometimes it was really fun because well-known people would call in. You'd be like, oh my gosh, hello. I got to talk to so-and-so today. But um, (laughs) my first desk that I was put on as a floater, I dropped every single one of that agent's calls. (laughs) Like I dropped them all. I had no idea how to work the phone system whatsoever. And he was so mad. He called HR on me and wanted me kicked off the desk. Oh, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, And when uh, my boss in the mailroom told me that the next day, I I cried the entire day. He sent me on errands out of the office just so he would not see see my crying face. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. But that was just my perfectionist streak. I thought that that one mistake I made, that was the end of me and I was no good. And that's why I took it so incredibly hard. But you got to go through it. You just got to go through it. Because the next day I went, I went back and I got a chance again, thankfully. And this one I rocked. I totally rocked it. And when I got on a desk for reels, um, I, I was really good at phones (laughs) you're all like that is gonna be my thing but I think that's true I think that a lot of our mistakes do uh, like things we've struggled with Mm -hmm. kind of do define us like oh it was such a struggle that now I'm so good at it like come to me for anything I can totally get this down yeah I had to work at it so hard yeah because the struggle lets you see where the hard parts are and so then I feel like you can help other people through them easily so perfectionists, they just need to experience pain and failure, unfortunately. Yeah. And they need to be pushed to do challenging things. That's interesting. I, I, I can see that, though. Like, I, I would have on one hand thought that a perfectionist would have tried a lot. But on the other hand, I can see how, yeah, no, because there's a lot of fear of that failure. And you can't have the failure. It's, yes. You've got to be doing great at that. So. And- and also reemphasizing that growth mindset with perfectionists. That's what I was going to say. So the growth yes. mindset seems like it would help a lot with perfectionists, like reminding them. And you had a really interesting story when you were doing the research for your book, uh, talking about a study that was done with a group of children that were just told about it. Yeah, that was okay. in Carol Dweck's book, Mindset. Okay. Oh, so in there. And mm-hmm. all they did with this uh, group of students, I think they were middle schoolers, is they separated the class and they told one group about the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. And the other group... They just didn't tell anybody anything. And then they put two groups through a rather challenging like math program. Like maybe it was six weeks long. And what they found is that students who knew about the growth mindset actually performed better than the group who did not know. Regardless of where they were. Regardless of where they were. They were totally randomized. The teachers teaching them didn't even know who was told growth mindset or fixed mindset. Wow. Yeah. And so just knowing just knowing that this exists and that you can get better at things and that you can work through it. Mm -hmm. 
just has it. a difference. Yeah. It's powerful stuff. Mind over matter, Mind people. Over matter. That brings us to number three, which sometimes perfectionists can lead into this one. This is the emotionally overwhelmed and overloaded kid. Um, <clears throat> this might be me occasionally. This might be you. <laughs> when I'm dealing with my, because I'm going to say this, like the, we are talking about the homework personalities for your kids, but yeah. these also might ring a little true with you yes. on your work habits Yes. for what you do when, when you're doing your work. And yeah, I think that sometimes I can definitely be the emotionally overloaded person sometimes. Like, Sometimes. what's your response when you're emotionally overloaded? Mm, I I have to find something else to distract myself to kind of move away from it. Like, I don't... You take breaks? Yeah, I don't, like, break down and cry. Mm-hmm. But on the inside, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's welling up in there and I get frustrated. I start tapping. I just, I, I need to come up with something else so that I don't get too much. I think you, you've noticed that I, I'll pull my hair. I, <laughs> I I'll notice now. Groaning a lot. I'm like, oh. And if I'm if I'm in a work setting where I can be near my home or, or somewhere that I can I start cleaning. Oh. That's how I deal with it. When you're really upset. Yeah. So you've found coping mechanisms to help you deal with it. Well and as an adult I would hope I would. Yes. yes. So as as my children, when I see them go through stuff like this, I try to help them. Yeah. Yeah. And so kids, you know, who are emotionally overloaded, they don't have these coping mechanisms. So it looks like You're what? seeing like tantrums oh. or you're seeing like complete emotional shutdown where they just don't react to anything. They don't even try. They just kind of like shut, shut the down. book, move on. Yeah. And so when you see this in your kids, it's a sign they're done. They're done. There's no amount of cheerleading that's going to convince them. It's not a logical place they are right then. Right. And so the best thing to do when they get into that state is to uh, have them take a break. Right. And that's what we need, right? Yeah. As adults, I feel like we do start to feel ourselves get overwhelmed and we know when to step aside and take a break. Yes. But as kids, not only do they not know that, but I think sometimes as parents, when we see that, we're like, we see our kid not doing something and they're supposed to be doing their homework. We're like, why aren't you doing your homework? Yeah. We don't, we don't respect that break in our children and it's not because we're mean mm-hmm. it's not because we're like you know just trying to make them do all of this work it's because we don't realize that's what they need at that moment yeah and it comes from a really good place with right. us we just want to make sure they get all their stuff done so that they don't get in trouble or fall behind i mean right. that's where it comes from because right, we want our kids to be successful yes and in all areas of life we want our kids to be successful and happy yeah yeah. So yeah. So giving giving your child a break. That's that's really great there. And it's okay to quit for the day too. I mean, our first day of online schooling, I let my son quit halfway through the day. Okay. Because it was a fight. It was a fight every second, and I just said, "Okay, you're done. We're done." Uh, I may have cried a little bit on the office floor, but. <laughs> I got he I got didn't over see it. that necessarily. I got over it and uh, I emailed his teacher and just said, hey, this is a lot for a second grader. I know he's showing me these signs and uh, I think it's time like we just need a break for the day. Mm-hmm. And she emailed me back. She's like, I think that's a really good decision. Right. And Great. most teachers will back you up on that. They'll be like, yes, this is this is really hard situation we're in. Right. And the young kids, they're they're having trouble. Right. And the teachers only know so much of what's going on. Yeah. If, if you don't reach out and give them that other piece, yeah. really. I mean, even if they're in class, mm-hmm. they only know so much. Like you're, you're t- So even if your child is struggling, uh, again, like looking at this as a homework thing, like back in the traditional setting, your child is at school and they do homework at home. 
the teacher doesn't know that the child is having breakdowns at home. No. Because maybe they're not presenting like that in the Mm -hmm. classroom. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. So communication is a huge help for that, right? I tell I tell my kids' teachers if I see like a repeated behavior at home, like a tantrum like two nights in a row, I will reach out and be like, hey, this is happening during homework. What do you suggest? Yeah. And usually their suggestion is uh, they don't need to worry so much. I will talk to them. Yeah. So that helps a lot. Yeah. And before though, before these breakdowns, if mm-hmm. you if you identified your kid as emotionally overloaded, and that's their first like reaction to things, like what? Like you can chunk their work for them, which oh, is just taking helpful. a few problems at a time, so that they don't see all of the schoolwork they have to do, but they're just like, okay, I have three problems in math. That's it. Yeah, we're going to do three problems. Three problems in math. And maybe we take a break. And then you take a break. Maybe you get to go play outside. Or maybe you get a little gummy bear, which we did in our house. Yeah. Yeah. That works a lot too. Yep. And and you can give them just complete control of their work environment. Let them dictate when they work, where they work. Give them those choices. And I know some of you are listening and be like, what? No, you don't understand. They won't work otherwise. They might not. But giving them the choice first, you kind of, you give them that responsibility and you show that you have that trust in them. As long as they have that chance, then you can see what happens when they 
when they get that responsibility, when they get that control and take it from there and talk to them about, okay, well, I saw that you decided to sit over there and do it and you had a hard time focusing. Where could you sit where you could focus better? Right. Another really great example with your youngest, when he had to do his homework, he chose a different schedule than most kids do. He did. He chose. And that was a little scary. You had to put a lot of faith in him on this one. <laughs> he did. When he was a kindergartner, he was just so tired at the end of the day that we were dealing with tantrums every night. And so I'm like, when do you want to do your homework? And he said, in the morning before school. I'm like, oh, this goes against like every traditional like advice. And I would just be screaming in my head, that'll never work. What if you sleep in? What if this? What if that? Mm-hmm. What? If, and you know what? I'd be putting a lot of my own things on yeah. there. Yeah. I, I let him do it. Uh, he's always been an early riser. And so once like he had to do it in the morning, he just sat down and did it right after breakfast. And he was done. And I didn't have to be over him. And he had more energy because he had gotten a full night's rest. So it worked out really well for us. He did change after like kindergarten, first grade that worked for him. Well, kindergarten, middle of first grade that worked for him. And then he didn't want to do it in the morning anymore. And so he did change back to right after school. And then now with this, it's. (laughs) But now with this, it's. When do you ever. This is all like all all new rules. Yeah. But that was really cool, though, to see that that worked and that he was able to take control of that. And I can see why early in the morning that would definitely work, especially like. And you know, it's okay. I'm just going to roll back with this. Having something productive for that early riser to do, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, because that was always the rough part. My son would get up super early. He's in eighth grade now. It's like dragging him out of bed. But when he was little, he would get up at like 5.30. And I'd always be like trying to come up with something to keep him busy until we left for school at 7.30. So for two hours, I'm trying. Goodness gracious, there were so many. If I had let him do his homework in the morning, it probably would have worked out better for all of us because it was a little bit of a struggle to get him to do it after school. Yeah. Back in kindergarten. So letting him do it in the morning. Yeah. My son yeah. has no problem filling his mornings. He just eats three breakfasts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> uh, okay, now number four. This one is is my oldest. Yeah. This one um is uh, so the fourth type of homework personality is the oblivious dreamer. Yes. They don't yes. care if they miss assignments. La, like la, la, that la, teacher la. threat about not doing a problem doesn't really bother them. Like me. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They don't care if they miss assignments. They, no. they don't care. They just, no. Nothing. I don't see the point. What's the point of all this? No. So the best thing with them is that they need a connection for the work, uh, whether that's like a small reward for doing the work. And I'm talking really small and something that they decide on themselves. Like, say they really like Roblox. Uh, setting up something where when you do your homework, then you get to play Roblox. Roblox is your reward. And connecting it to something that they love at first. Eventually, with Oblivious Dreamers, they will find their motivation in homework. Mm -hmm. And I say eventually because it might sound like a very, very long and hard time until they do. Uh, especially if you have been used to motivating your child through the process and trying Uh, to get them to care about the work. It's painful every step of the way when you're trying to motivate an oblivious dreamer. It is. But it's important to take a step back and realize what you're working with. Like, I think that that this personality, this homework personality is, it it gives you the most amount of, ah, once you realize that this is what you're dealing with Mm -hmm. with your child. Because you're like, oh, Okay, so I so I'm not going crazy. Mm-hmm. Every, there are other kids that are like this, yeah. 
And it's not me doing something wrong, not motivating them enough. It's an internal thing. Okay, it's not just me. It, it, it helps to hear that because you think I'm just a terrible parent. I am completely slacking on this and my child will never do anything ever in the world because nothing motivates them. Like you said, they just need that time. It's that slippery slope of thinking. Yeah. Yes. Just because they're not motivated by school does not mean nothing motivates them. They are motivated by something. Right. It's just kind of like the detective process to figure out what that something is. So that's interesting because then I'm going to slightly relate this again with my own. But uh, with, with my oldest, who is the oblivious dreamer, when he was younger, it was really hard to get homework done because he didn't have, he didn't really care. Yeah. And he went through a big uh, problem with that, probably with fifth and sixth grade. Um, once he hit about halfway through seventh grade, uh, he kind of found his niche finally and figured it out. And I got to say, like, he's he's been really successful now. We do a lot of just letting him do his own thing. Mm-hmm. And he has his reward system. He knows when he gets to have his uh, his hobby time, which tends to be working on uh, making YouTube channels. Hey, that's that's a thing. I'm laughing because like he full-heartedly is like, I'm going to be a YouTuber when I grow up. And I'm like, all right, you let me know how that works out. In yeah, the right. meantime, you're going to keep going to school and hope for something else to pique your interest. You, you can go back to him and he's like, I'm going to be a podcaster when I, oh wait. Oh, I know, I know. He's going to be like, well, it works for you, mom. It you enjoy you. it. But I mean, so another thing too, like going back to just trying to find those little pieces. And I think that's what helped. Like as time went on, we found little pieces that motivated him. Mm-hmm. One thing, he's terrible at spelling, doesn't like spelling, hates spelling, homework, can't stand it. But we found that he loved Minecraft. So he built a world in Minecraft with a little like board in that world. And that's how he got to, uh, that's how I got him to study for his spelling test. Like, okay, well, when it's time to study for spelling, let me know. Turn on your computer and we'll do it in Minecraft. So he would go to Minecraft. I would give him his word and he would type it in. And just feeling like he was one there, I'm not sure, just the motivation that it was Minecraft, it made it so he actually looked forward to this activity that he hated for years before that that is amazing I think that that story gives people so much hope who have oblivious dreamers that just because they're not motivated now does not mean they won't be motivated in the future yeah he is so motivated now he can do it all on his own I don't even have to check in like again we're doing the online schooling right now and he was already done with all of his work by this morning and it's Thursday morning which means he gets to have the rest of Thursday and tomorrow pretty much off that's amazing yeah it's amazing but an interesting thing to go with that, the Oblivious Dreamer, uh, we do have something to help people with that, the homework. The Make Homework Fun Pack. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes, which you can find at noguiltmom.com backslash episode 003. It's a free, fun, like I, it's called a Make Homework Fun Challenge. Really what it is, is it's a <laughs> goal setting process for kids. And yes. they make a work study goal where uh, it's like about being focused or completing assignments. It's really their choice what they want to make the goal about. So I hear it's about choice. It is making about their choice. own choices. And then just finding their right technique. Like we give the power to them. We like, give it to them. Here's a whole bunch of really cool ideas. Try them. Don't try them. Try them, yep. yeah. Maybe and they, they'll inspire something else. They name their own reward with it too. Yeah. So it's really helpful. And we'll put a link for that in the show notes as well. So those are the four homework personalities. The quick quitter, the perfectionist, the emotionally overloaded child, and the oblivious dreamer. Very curious to hear from people what yes. they have 
have. Oh like, my gosh. But their kids are like at home. You should put in, go and leave a review of this podcast and put in there what your child is and what you found they were. We would love to hear about it. And I'm also very interested from my backgrounds in psychology. It's my undergrad and I did a lot of studies on uh, on uh, gender and personalities. So I'm very curious as well. Yes. How many are boys and how many are girls that are the perfectionist and the oblivious dreamer? I I have some of my own hypotheses. <sighs> I would love to see how those uh, how those play out. That'd but be interesting. Yeah, I think I I think you see certain personalities uh, these person these homework personalities at certain ages a mm-hmm. lot more, and I do feel like I hear a lot more of certain genders with certain. Uh, certain ones of these, so I don't want to. I don't want to throw out my bias to anyone. So yeah. I'm just curious to see what what kind of feedback we get. Yes, leave a comment, leave a review, and in future episodes, we're gonna take your reviews and read them, and maybe we'll have some good no guilt mom goodies yeah. for you yeah. for uh, leaving a review. So until next time, remember that the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you, and we'll talk to you later. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.